spell out to you. Now, I'm not going to expound on it today, but I'm going to throw this question, and it's, it kind of goes along with what we're going to be talking about this morning. But, would God still have been God had He not performed a single miracle? Would God still have been God if He had not performed a single miracle? It's not part of the sermon this morning, but it kind of goes along with it. The title of my message this morning is, I have something to believe in. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced, I like that word, I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, as your Holy Spirit has spoken to us already this morning, I pray that, that your word today would continue to help us to, to draw close to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as you think about that scripture and what the Holy Spirit has already done, I believe that he has spoken to us in this word as confirmation that you can be convinced that that thing that he plants in your life, he will be able to bring to completion. That thing that he has spoken to you, that promise that he has given you, he will, he is more than able to bring it to pass. The devil will come along and he will try to steal that out of your life. He will try to tell you that that wasn't God, or he will try to tell you that that's not possible. But the word of the Lord said here, you know, Timothy here, it says, listen, Paul, as he's talking, he says, I am not ashamed for what I believe. I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced. I think King James says, I am persuaded. I, there is no wavering. I, it's not one of them things I'm wondering about. It's not one of them things I'm contemplating. It's not one of them things that, that could go either way. He says, I am convinced I've made my mind up. You know, husbands, when your wife makes her mind up. No, wait a minute, that wasn't part of my I am convinced it's going to happen this way. Not convinced because of, I, of me, not convinced because of who I am, but according to the Scripture, I'm convinced because of who God is. I'm convinced because I know who God is. I believe that He is able to complete that work. You see, the world around us is looking for something. Your neighbor is looking for something. The people at the grocery store they're looking for something. And if you're a born-again believer this morning, you have something that they need. You have someone that they need in their life. They are looking. They're looking. They're constantly looking. They, they want to be happy. Everybody, everybody wants to be happy, right? I want to be happy. You want to be happy. Your neighbor wants to be happy. And we're constantly looking for things to make us happy. People in the world that don't know Christ so 
often they're, they're searching in that search to make them happy. They get off into all kinds of things. They, they, they do all kinds of things because it makes me feel good. We as Christians understand the principle of, of living our lives for Christ that gives us true happiness. So this morning we think about it. What is it that can help us and everyone else find what we're looking for? Purpose. When we have purpose, we have a, a purpose for life. We have a purpose to give us something to believe in. We have a purpose. We know, what, we know what's right. We know our purpose is, is, is to follow Christ. Our purpose is to, is to live for Him with our whole hearts. And if we have a purpose like that, we will be able to find what we need. You see, our, our, the Scripture teaches us that God knows what we need and He will provide what we need when we seek Him first. Seek first the kingdom of, his, of God and His righteousness, and then He's going to give us what we need. Not always what we want, but He will give us what we need. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the Message Bible, says, God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. As you think about that scripture, I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of people, they don't want that kind of life. They don't want a kind of life that, that, that causes them to desire to do what's right, that causes them to try to live a pure and holy life. They don't want it. They want to live the kind of life they want to live. They know it even a lot of times they know it's wrong, but they don't care. They like it that way. What do you do? I can't convince them otherwise. The Bible teaches us that only the Holy Spirit can draw them. Only the Holy Spirit can draw But we have to continue to do what we know is right. We have to continue to realize that God's, the doors of salvation have, have been opened wide by Jesus Christ himself, that whosoever will may come. We have to realize that in our life, we, it says here, he offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life. Free us. That tells me that, that those that are in that dark, rebellious life are bound because Christ came to bring freedom. The, the Amplified Bible says this, who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people to be peculiarly his own, people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Eager 
excited about living that kind of life? Or is it, oh, i got to do something good again today. I did something good the other day. Oh, i got to be nice to people. I did that. I tried that. It didn't work. But excited about doing what's right. Even if we don't get the results we want, we're excited to keep doing the work that God has called us to do. Whether the church is full or not so full, am I excited about bringing the word? Or did I, did I show up today and think, well, we only got about a third of the congregation, so I'm going to preach about a third of the sermon. You guys wouldn't know the difference, would you? But excited to bring the word, not because of me and not really because of you, but because of him. Because he has set it all up. He knew who was going to be here this morning before I ever sat down at the computer. He knew who was going to hear the word. I didn't know. And so energetic and excited to do it no, no matter what the circumstances or the outside evidence is. Eager to do what he's asked me to do. Eager to live my life in such a way that brings honor and glory to him. We are set apart by God himself. He has called us. You know, it's funny you start talking about being a peculiar people. Huh? Nobody wants to be a peculiar people, do we? But yet, simply meaning we're different. We're not like the world. We don't enjoy the things of the world. We don't laugh at the same things as the world. We don't desire the same things as the world. He has set us apart to be like him. And so that's the things that we should desire. Those are the things that we should be excited about. Those are the things that should, that should, good thing nobody's sitting right here. They just got spit on. The, <laughs> desire the things that he desires. It's exciting to want to desire the things of God. The things of God are so much more grand than the things of the world could ever be. The things of the world are set up and they're temporal. And, and, and man, these guys, you hear them talking, you think they had such a great time and, and all that. But just think about what's going to happen someday. When you're standing before God and He's going to say, Oh man, well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then there are going to be those people that He's going to say, Depart from me. Where's all that fun? Where's all that temporal stuff that the Bible talks about? I... I have hung out a lot of times with a bunch of crazy Christians and we have just had a blast and never sinned. You can have a good time. I, I won't even tell you, we're sitting in the hospital room with Dirk, Saturday, when was that? Friday night. And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. Poor guy, he's laying there in pain and we're laughing. The joy of the Lord. I mean, we just, I love being around my Christian friends. We fish together. We trap shoot together. We cook meat together. Well, I just eat it. But, but we do that because we have a common theme and a common goal. We love being with brothers and sisters in the Lord. We love sharing the gospel. I was talking with a guy at the wedding last night. and this, 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 I call her a young girl. She's probably 40. But she was in our ministry when we were youth leaders in Hamilton. And now, and she went through a rough period. Now she's married to a good Christian. And, and they teach in the church they go to. And, and, and I'm talking to him. I never met him other than for work purposes. I've met him. and We visited. And he said, I just love talking about the Lord. Those are the kind of people I can hang out with. 
Those are kind of, and, and there's there's happiness and there's joy in that. It's not well, I'm a Christian, so no. It's exciting to serve the Lord. It's exciting to know that I've convinced that God is going to be able to do something in me and through me, and I've got a I've got a promise. I have that blessed hope that 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 isn't for, this isn't all for nothing. This is all for for Him. And one day, and I'm not doing it for the reward, but one day he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I'm convinced of that. And so because I'm convinced of that, I need to live my life in such a way that I'm pushing for that. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. Paul says, He's willing to suffer. And we've read the scripture already. He's willing to suffer, but I am not ashamed. He's not ashamed of his suffering because he knows who he's believed and he's convinced. Believing and being convinced, no matter what I have suffered, I'm not ashamed because I know who my God is. I know the plan and the purpose he has for me. I know that, that God is doing something big in me and through me, and I am convinced that it's going to be something when he's done. Do, you, do we believe, and we talked in Sunday school this morning about, that, about people that are laying it all on the line and going to these crazy places as missionaries, and yet sometimes we have a hard time just living it out in our own backyard. Do you really believe in who God is? One of the things and the foundational thing that we talk about in this church is believing in God's Word. I love this scripture in Hebrews. It says, for the, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, Many people just believe this to be a book with words on the pages, right? And it doesn't matter if you've got the King James Version or you've got the NIV Version or the ESV Version or the New Living Translation or the Message Bible. It, we need to understand that this word is alive. It's not just words written on a page, but it's a book. It, it, it's words from the living God that are meant to transform us and to change us. When we read this word, the, the, uh, they should jump off the page. Now, I'm not saying when you're reading genealogies and that kind of stuff, that that can be a little bit like, how many times have I read that name? Okay, It's good to read it, though. But when we're reading the word of God, ask God to let it change you let it be life-changing you know in the hospital you go see somebody and they're hooked up to to all kinds of things and they got ivs and they got the, all that stuff is being put into their body to, to to bring life and to bring change and and the word of god is alive and it should be bringing change in us it should be bringing healing it should be bringing life into us as we as we read it and as christians if you can't believe in the word of god how can you call yourself a Christian? The Word of God is alive and active and important for us. Luke chapter 4, verse 32. And they were astonished at His teaching, for His Word possessed authority. 
The Word of the living God possesses authority. If you will let it, it will bring authority in your life. It will help you to take authority over the enemy if you will simply believe in the true Word of God. So we believe in His Word and we believe in salvation. John chapter 3, verse 17. It's a very familiar scripture, not obviously as familiar as the one ahead of it. John 3, 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he that the world might be saved through him. You see, foundational to our Christianity also is believing in salvation. It's not just a, well, if I make enough changes in my life, it's not just if I go to the right church, it's not just if I say the right words. And Pastor Jared did such an awesome job when he was talking to the kids about the fact that there's nothing magical about folding the hands, there's nothing magical about closing eyes, there's nothing magical about the words that we say. The transformation takes place when those words come, come, quit being just words and begin to be something that lives in us, that we believe. And, and when I say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, it's not just some form or formality to get to a different step but it's something that changes me because I believe that because of His sacrifice, I can ask Him for forgiveness. And that forgiveness comes because the Word says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no magic in anything. It's all about the change that takes place when we accept Christ, when we believe what His Word says. And we turn to Him and give Him our life so we believe His Word and we believe salvation is real as we turn our life to Him. As we say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. There's a change that takes place. And that salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way a sinner will ever find what they're truly looking for. That salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way that any sinner will ever be changed. And that included you when you accepted him, it wasn't, Lamont, your mama was a, she was a Christian for a long time, wasn't she? Didn't save you a bit, did it? Until you did what? That's right, but you had to accept Christ for yourself. My grandma prayed, my mama prayed, but until I accepted Christ for myself, it didn't become real to me. And every sinner has to go through that same process of accepting Christ for themselves before they'll ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Before you'll ever... The world is searching in so many crazy places to fill that void that God has designed for only Him to fill. And until people accept Christ, that void will never be filled. They will continue looking and continue searching and continue trying all kinds of things until that void is filled by Christ. I believe in healing. I still believe that the Bible teaches us that by His stripes we are healed. I don't understand healing. I don't understand why some people, you know, Man, boom, healed. And other people struggle. Other people, 
doctors and they, they have to go to, and they, and they get it through different ways. I don't understand it all, but what I understand is <coughs> the scripture teaches us about healing. Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Mark 3, 14 and 15. And he ordained 12, in the King James Version, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. You see, what happens many times is we begin to doubt because we don't see the results that we think we ought to see. I'll be honest with you. If, if Doubt is something that we have to fight constantly because if we don't, then we allow the enemy a foothold in our life because we don't see everything we want to see when we want to see it, do we? And if we're not careful, that doubt creeps in. We must not doubt that God still is in the business of bringing healing to people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So when we believe in salvation, we believe in healing. James chapter four, 5, verses 14 and 15, and this is one that we stand on here in this church. If anyone is among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's straight from the word of God. I still believe also that the Lord wants to bring deliverance. We talked about already, we talked about people looking for things and many times in that process they become bound. They become bound by the enemy. They become trapped in, in, in a life that is, is, is destroying them. And I believe that the Lord still brings deliverance. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus here, as he's speaking, he's also quoting from an Old Testament uh, uh, prophet. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, we see a lot of people that are bound today by so many different things. We, we, we think in our mind of certain things, but there are so many things people are bound by. Greed is one thing that we maybe don't often think about. Greed and selfishness and hate and anger, bitterness. All those are things that people can, be, can allow themselves to be bound by. And they don't see a way out until Jesus Christ can come in and set people free from all that stuff. All that baggage that they carry around day after day. And sometimes you can just see it on their faces. They're miserable because they're carrying around so much stuff. But we see here in the scripture that Jesus himself said that he was here to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Where do we need to lead people? To Jesus. We need to bring people to the throne room of the living God. We need to set him at his feet. 
We need to pray with them. We need to love them. We need to encourage them. We need to let them know that there's only one hope, and that's Jesus. Jesus can set them free. I still believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I was reminded um, as the Holy Spirit is, was leading this morning, as my wife was talking to me this morning through text about waiting on the Lord, about being in His presence, I was reminded what Jesus told the disciples before He left. He said, but go to the upper room and wait for the promise. He didn't say, well, it's coming right here today, this afternoon, you know. He says, wait. Many times we miss what the Lord has because we won't wait on Him. We need, to, we need to just allow ourselves, whether it, here, whether it be here in church or at home in our own time, to wait on the Lord. Acts 8, 17 says they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. We need, we need to continue to believe that as we wait on the Lord, as we, we seek His face, as we ask Him, that He truly does still want to fill us with the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One of the last things we're going to talk about this morning, we talk about all these other things that we believe, but we also, and I also firmly believe that He's coming soon. I'm 50, almost 56 years old. And since I was a baby, I've heard He's coming soon. My parent, my mama, since she was a baby, she heard He's coming soon. My grandma, since she was little, she heard He's coming soon. I don't know all about all the timing, and I know there's a lot of prophecies, and I lo- all I know is, and what I believe is, He is coming soon, and I've got to be ready. Because it could be today. It could be 50 years from now. I don't think it will be. But I personally need to be ready because it could be it could be before we get home for lunch. He's he's fixing a big meal anyway, right? We're going to be all right. But I believe it could be today. And so I have to be prepared. John chapter 14. Love this scripture. Verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, okay, I'm quoting from memory, and so now I'm going to read it the way my things had. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting King James, and I'm reading uh, uh, ESV, so sometimes it mixes. All right, I'm going to read it now. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. I was an old when I was a teenager we had a had a group that came to our church and they sang a song and it quoted this scripture and then it went on and it talked about the cares of life surrounding you and are you looking for the way? Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. You see, we should be 
We should have hope as we believe in, in, in his coming. We are, we are not hopeless like man is. It has no hope that there's anything past this, this few years we live on this earth. Can you imagine thinking this is all there is? I mean, I, I love my life. I love my home. I love, I love what God has placed in my life. I do. But I have the promise that there's even more. That this life does not even compare to the richness that He has for us. And so the Bible teaches us if, if the, the only hope we have is in this life, we are of all men most miserable. It tells me that there's something greater to hope for than, than just what I have here. And like I say, I, I, I love what I have here. I do. But I know and my hope is that God has something so much bigger and he is coming back one of these days <coughs> to take me to that place. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Message Bible. I don't, I don't use the Message Bible a lot. Once in a while I find something I like. Roman, this same scripture, the Message Bible says, So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? It just seems so simple. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God and at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. When we submit to him, when we give our lives to him, he is committed to his promises for us. He is committed to telling us there is nothing that can drive a wedge between my love and you. We can walk away from it, but the enemy can't, cannot pull a wedge between us and God's love. We have something to believe in this morning. And I'm firmly convinced that if we will put our trust in God, that He will help us to see things we could, 
couldn't even imagine. The Bible tells us even more than we could ever hope or ask for. But I, I believe in this day and age like never before that we must be convinced of it. Don't be wavering. Don't think, well, maybe. Be convinced that God is who He says He is. And I firmly believe that that old song, when we get to heaven, we will look back and we will say, it was worth it all. There's that old song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Him. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Are you convinced this morning of what you believe? Are you convinced so strongly that nothing, nothing can change your mind? This morning I believe that we're living in, a, in, in the last days. The devil's going to throw everything he can at the church to try to knock us down and try to keep us from being what God has called us to be. But I'm convinced that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Lord, this morning as we have, your Holy Spirit has really just moved miraculously in this service, in the prayer time, and you really spoke to us about just spending time with you and, and being quiet. Lord God, and then as you spoke, and I, 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 I know that you want us to be convinced of who you are and of what we believe. And knowing, Lord God, that you are more than able to bring us to that place that you have promised us. To bring us to that place, Lord God, that is, that, that is bigger than anything we could ever imagine as we just put our trust in you. And Lord, I believe that you have spoken to some hearts today at some point in this service from the beginning to now. Maybe it wasn't even during the sermon, but Lord, it, maybe it was during that quiet time. And Lord, now you're, you're, you're reminding us that you will keep your word. And so, Lord God, our, our desire today is that we will leave this place convinced of you. Convinced of who you are and convinced that you're going to keep us and bring us to that place that you have promised us. Not according to us, but according to your word. And you are faithful and just. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you're here and you would just say, Pastor, I, I just want to make a confession of my faith this morning. I want to ask, like Pastor Jared said, you don't have to do this every week, but if you're here and you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and this morning you just want to, you want to do that, I, I would love to pray with you. Would, would there be one in here this morning that say, Pastor, I just need to, I just need to, Come clean with God. I need to ask Him to forgive me. I need to accept Him today as my Savior. Would there be one? Lord, as we go from this place today, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would go with us, would lead us and direct us into the path that You have for us and help us to be convinced to the end. And I thank You for it today. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys.